everyone. Welcome to The Sword and Laser. Uh, we are doing a Google Hangout today. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. And we are joined by the fantastic Mr. Adam Christopher, who has joined us on the show several times before. We're so happy to have you back. Oh, hello. Thank you very much for having me back. It's not too late over there in the UK for you, is it? No, it's like 6 o'clock. We're oh, perfect. We're All right, perfect. so we're just interrupting your dinner, not interrupting yeah, your sleep. we're keeping you out of the pub. <laughs> I'm going to the pub later, actually. This is a, yeah. Well, we'll try to move and, this along. <laughs> oh, God, I had a streaming in, in Diamond Club TV at the same time, too, so I was getting us all Oh, you were hearing in. yourself. <laughs> yeah, we are also streaming on DiamondClub.tv today, so there's a chat room over there uh, in the IRC channel. And, uh, of course, we are taking your questions live, um, so you can either use the Q&A app over on YouTube or Google Hangouts or post your questions in the IRC chat. Just make sure to include my name or Tom's name, Ace Detect, so we uh, get a little chat pop-up so we see them. Um, so, Adam, how are things going? Hey, good. Yeah, I'm uh, kind of busy, crazy busy, but uh, no, it's good. Yeah, you've been you've been cranking them out this year. First, we had Hang Wire that was in in January. Yes, late January. Yeah. And then we have the uh, the Burning Dark in March. Yes, end of March. All right. So how are you how are you cranking them out so quickly? Uh, that's a very good question that I often ask myself. Um, I am lucky in that I had a backlog of books, so I kind of try to work sort of two books ahead of schedule. Um, so what's coming out kind of next is always something that I did, you know, a year and a half ago or something, uh, which is great. Um, but, yeah, it means I need to keep kind of pumping them out, basically. Keep, keep swimming or, yeah. or you'll, you'll fall to the bottom of yeah. the ocean. Yeah. Otherwise, one day my backlog will kind of catch up with me and then that, that'll be it. So uh -oh. are you working on books right now that you intend to come out like a year and a half or so from now? Yeah, so at the moment I'm actually working on uh, the second book, which follows from The Burning Dark, um, which is at the end of March. So that's not going to be out until March next year. Uh, and then I've got a book after that comes out in September next year. So that's kind of the next one I'll be working on. How so, do you, yeah. How do you handle the promotion for, I mean, it, it's almost like you should, you're still promoting Hangwire in a sense because it just came out, and so you're doing appearances for that and book tours for that, and then you kind of jump right into another promo period. Yeah. It's, well, yeah, and with, with, with two books so close together, um, that is something that I kind of have to manage. But, you know, it's not something that happens all the time. Um, but we're lucky with things like podcasts and you know, blogs and things like that, because kind of all the online stuff is international. You know, there's no kind of boundary with territories. Um, so, yeah, people just want to hear about about books in general, so I can talk about both. Um, you know, and in the UK, my publisher here is Titan for The Burning Dark and Anchor Robot for Hangwire. And because the books are so close together, we're going to do a joint launch party at Forbidden Planet. So the two different publishers are kind of going to join forces for one night, uh, which is great. You know, it's really cool because everybody is just there to like have a good time and talk about books and yeah, it'll be good. So you're they're the not going to fight over you to yeah. the death or anything? <laughs> exactly. uh, no, no, they're very, they're very nice and at least around me, they're kind of like, they're quite nice and friendly. You've bridged <laughs> two worlds. It's almost <laughs> like... Something like Empire State all over again in real life. Oh, uh, yeah. Hey, thanks, by the way, for giving us uh, the uh, the sneak peek at the covers of Hangwire last year. That was really nice of you. Yeah, no worries. I mean, that's Will Stale again. Um, you know, he's done all my covers. He just won the Kitchies Award, uh, the Inky Tentacle for um, The Age Atomic, uh, which is, you know, fantastic. 
Yeah, absolutely. And again, it's one of these weird things. He's also doing my covers for Tor and Titan as well as, as Anchor Robot. So I'm kind of like, I've lucked out completely. We talked a little bit about Hangar, I think, last time we had you on the show, but I don't know if we, we touched on Burning Dark much at all. So let folks know a little bit about what to expect from that, because it's, it's different than folks who might know you from Age Atomic or Empire State. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, the Burning Dark is a sort of haunted space opera uh, set a thousand years in the future. It's about a guy called um, Captain Cleveland, who he's a war hero, and he's sent to a sort of derelict space station that's in the process of being taken to pieces uh, and shipped back to Earth. Um, but he goes there, nobody knows who he is, they don't believe his war stories. The crew of the space station are kind of going a bit stir-crazy, they've got cabin fever because they've been locked out, it's like in the middle of nowhere. And strange things start happening as they start pulling the space station to pieces. People uh, see things in the shadows, uh, the station's command has gone missing and nobody knows where he is. And there's something very nasty hiding behind the nearby star, which the space station is kind of studying. So it's very dark and creepy. Um, it's definitely space opera and it's kind of got some military science fiction as well, but there's some kind of spooky stuff as well. My idea, basically, originally I, I wrote it as a kind of a traditional ghost story, but instead of a haunted house, I've got a haunted space station. Oh, that's creepy. Which, yeah, it's so cool. So, yeah. Um, so you mentioned that you were working on the second book in the series. About how long do you anticipate this particular series being? So this is the first book, and then you have the second one. How many uh, after second, that? Yeah, uh, three to start with. And... Um, they're not exactly direct sequels. They're sort of they're all set in the same universe. Um, you know, the background being that humanity is at, is at war with this machine race called the spiders um, because they build these kind of um, spider-like war machines. So three books, and then each one is set in, this, in that universe and it deals with different characters and different situations. I mean, they're linked, and there's an overall kind of story arc. Um, but yeah, and then we'll see what happens after that. After three. Is it, this is the first time it seems like you've intentionally said yes? This is a series. I mean, Age Atomic was a was a sequel to Empire State. Seven Wonders is similar, uh, but they weren't they weren't part of a a stated series. What what led you to decide? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna call this my series from the get go. I think because the world I created for the Burning Dark is, I mean, being space opera, it's got that kind of grand um, setting, uh, and there was. Um, there's a lot of potential there to tell this big story about this war that, that the Earth has been involved in. And certainly, you know, my editor at Tor was really quite interested in hearing more about um, sort of bits and pieces that I'd mentioned in the first book. And he, it's interesting, his comments, you know, in the sidelines were like, wow, this is really cool. We should see some more of this. And I'm like, yeah, of course. Um, oh, that'll be book two and book three. Just, you know, as you do. Um, but yeah, no, he was, and he was really responsive to that. So it's definitely the first series that I've done. You know, you mentioned Dead Atomic as a sequel to Empire State. But they're kind of, ish. they were done separately. Yeah, ish. Um, but yeah, this is three books so far. Um, yeah, it'll be good. I'm looking forward to writing something as a, as a, a linked series, which is something I haven't done before. So how do you how do you prepare for that kind of thing? I mean, uh, obviously with Age Atomic, uh, you you kind of you had it in mind as being a, a standalone, and then you kind of you know build on that particular world. Um, this one is you know going into it as a series, having having not written in series format before. It, did did it has it taken a lot of extra planning on your part? 
Yeah, it has. Um, I'm, I'm lucky in a way that because the three books are not directly sequels, I mean, the, the, the characters are different, and it's not just one story kind of cut into three parts, but it has meant that I've had to keep track of a lot of stuff um, because, you know, I've, I've created this world, and there's always this temptation to do new, new things, introduce new rules and things which, which then contradict what you've done before. So I've got like a little folder and I've been writing stuff down and I'm sure when it comes to the edit stage, it's going to be just a big pass of, no, I can't do that, I can't do that, um, change this, change the name of that. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's definitely dif- different to other kind of things I've worked on for sure. You need an army of, of like Star Trek level fans who are willing oh. to do beta reads for you and just catch all of the <laughs> tiny inconsistencies. Yeah, and maybe one day I could have like someone do like an encyclopedia and like a compendium and just keep track of everything. That'd yeah, like awesome. a wiki sort yeah, of. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, that would be good. So uh, you you've you've left the uh, not not the business but sort of your you've you've done a lot of like I'm going to have a an alternate New York or a different San Francisco or or maybe the same San Francisco with some stuff that you don't really realize was going on in San Francisco and you've gone into space is that the last we see of you operating on Earth are we going to see any more in that Empire State world? Um, no, I'm definitely I'm one of these writers that I don't particularly write any one type of thing like you know how obviously writers like epic fantasy or like space opera or things like that i kind of write just stuff um which i enjoy which is great uh so yeah for tour it's definitely a spacey science fiction thing which i haven't done before uh and that's completely different to my angry robot stuff but i'm definitely going to be back um kind of on earth uh whether it's a whether it's something an Empire State's universe um, or something else, I mean, I've got an, I've just signed another series of tour, which starts at the end of next year, September, which is called the LA Trilogy, which is set in Los Angeles in the 1960s, um, and it's about a robot detective called Ray, who um, gets tangled up in kind of Hollywood uh, occultism and darkness and things, which is not, and again, it's another different kind of thing. It's, it's another series. But it's kind of Raymond Chandler meets Lawrence Block. Uh, I was going to say, it kind of sounds almost noir-ish, but I I guess I'm just used to making that connection with you. But of course, the time period is is off for that. But I I really like the the premise of that already. It sounds really fun. Yeah, I mean, it's going to, there's a novella, a novelette called Brisk Money, which I wrote, uh, which Tor.com are going to publish in July, which is like the origin story for Ray. Um, and it's just so much fun because it's first person and it's really um, that whole pastiche of hard-boiled stuff. And you're right, and that I, I kind of like that. I did that a little bit with Empire State. Um, so it's quite fun to, to come back into that kind of thing. It yeah. seems like noir is really having a resurgence. Uh, and, and not that you're you're doing this on purpose to like catch a fad, but a lot of uh, writers that we respect, including yourself, are are it's catching their eyes and saying, "Oh, I want to do something in in, in that kind of style." It seems like you've always had that, though. I mean, Empire State definitely had that more feel as well. What do you think is appealing to people about that right now? I think um, more and more people are definitely doing more cross genre stuff, whereas things used to be quite like in their own kind of silo. Um, I th- I've definitely seen noir and crime kind of creeping into things uh i don't know what is appealing about it um (laughs) 
but maybe like noir just lets you do things with the language that you you kind of you kind of have an excuse to do it because you're like going hey I write noir as a you know which is different to hard boiled and is not necessarily crime either yeah but um it's kind of just extra tools that we can play with now and people kind of don't worry about it if you, you know um being stuck in science fiction or fantasy or whatever you can kind of just mix it up. It's funny, we've been talking to a lot of authors recently who are kind of, and we mentioned you in our recent interview with um, Ian Tregellis, right. because he's kind of going into that noir space as well, and, and of course Tad Williams with the Bobby Dollar series, um, so it really seems like it's it's struck a nerve with with uh, current authors um, kind of looking back into that, that era and, and pulling inspiration from it. Uh, for sure. I'm actually reading Ian's new book right now. Um, oh, yeah? I mean, all the night, yeah, which is, you know, Raymond Chandler meets Angels. Um, it's fantastic. And again, it's like nothing, this is stuff that we can somehow do now that people didn't really think you could do. Yeah, that kind of genre mixing. For yeah. sure. Now you have to write an angel noir book because the two of them are doing it. And so it only makes sense. That <laughs> you would be well, next. you've done noir and superheroes. He's done right. superheroes yeah. and military fiction. And now he's doing angels. So you need to do military and angels. Oh, oh, oh that would be cool. That's a really good circle. idea. That's really good. I like that. <laughs> you, you yeah. Can take it. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, yeah, we'll give it to you if I tried okay. to do it. I, I got all excited, like, how can I do this? And I'm like, no, I'm a bad writer. Well, so that, uh, that actually, and that's a good point. We could all do it, right? I mean, that's, you know, and we talked about this with the Intrigalis a little bit as well. Like, everybody's going to have a different spin, a different take, a different way of playing in these different genres, even if they do kind of similar mashups. Uh, yeah. Totally. Um, you know, I several authors have done angel stuff, and you know, Ian's book is unlike anything that I've read. Uh, but likewise, the previous ones were. So yeah, there's awesome. great freedom at the moment. <laughs> All right, we have a lot of questions uh, from our audience to get to. Um, this one comes from Goodreads from Chris, and uh, she wants to know uh, what is different for you as an author now that you have a couple of works published, and what's the same? Um, I think what's different is that you learn to manage time much better because it becomes, I mean, it becomes a job, which it is, and that's great. Um, but that means that you need to kind of do stuff when you don't want to and keep on top of it. Um, the same is like, uh, The Burning Dark will be my fifth novel out in like three years, which sounds insane. Um, and what doesn't change is that writing is still really difficult and um, writers tend to hate everything they write and there's crippling anxiety and all that carry on. Uh, that never goes away, <clears throat> but I don't think it should either. I think if it does, then like you're doing something wrong. I think um, it drives you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You always have to be, you're always reaching for something and like you're looking for the next thing, which will be better than the last thing. Uh, but yeah, no, but you do it forever. Yeah. Also, I feel bad. Hopefully, Chris is, is I, I, I gender specified, and I don't know if Chris is a girl or a boy. So I apologize, Chris, if you were a boy and I called you a girl. The perils of working in the internet. Yeah. We do know Terp Kristen, though, and she says uh, your Twitter profile, she noticed your Twitter profile says you're a Lego addict. Uh, and she wants to know what your favorite set is, and do you prefer to get the random collections and build from scratch or make the models like the Tower Bridge set? Um, okay, well, I'm really a uh, follow-the-instructions person. Um, this is just the way my mind works, so I always build the sets. You like that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I would never be a master builder, uh, unfortunately. But 
I collect a lot of the Star Wars stuff because I love Star Wars. And in fact, that's what got me back into Lego, like as an adult a couple of years ago. Um, my dad used to go on business trips in the 80s and come back with suitcases full of the space Lego. Um, and that, you know, I was like six or seven or eight. And then I rediscovered Lego a couple of years ago with Star Wars stuff. Um, and I sort of reconnected. Um, but yeah, I love the Star Wars stuff and I'm tempted to go back and see if I can find some of the classic space sets on eBay, but I don't know if that's like a, that's a dark path though. I'm not sure. That is absolutely true. My friend, uh, do you know Gary Witta? (laughs) No. I assume because you're both British that you know him personally. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. Really, yeah. <laughs> but he's a, he's a good friend of mine, and he is obsessed with Lego. He has amazing sets at his house, and it is just it's kind of fabulous to see because he has a room that's just filled wow. with all the completed well, Lego sets. Yeah, but where do you put them? That's the thing. You know, I you need uh, a Lego well, room. Yeah, I mean, I've got just in front of me. There's the Super Star Destroyer, uh, which is amazing, but it's like a meter and a half long. Can you show us? I think I can. Oh, yeah. Can just, you like, turn the camera? Sorry, oh, audio uh, folks. We'll describe it. In... Yeah. Uh, up there. Can you see that? Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Kind of. It takes up half the bookshelf. And there's, like, down there, there's the Death Star. There it the is. Thing? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you for the thank you for the Lego <laughs> tour of your office. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, our next question is also from Terp Kristen. Uh, she wants to know, uh, when you have time to read for fun, what genre do you enjoy reading? I, uh, read anything you'd like to recommend lately? Uh, yeah, I try to read kind of uh, across multiple genres. Um, I'm doing a lot of crime at the moment, and I've been reading Michael Crichton's hard case crime novels. Uh, before he wrote his Michael Crichton, he wrote these kind of pulpy thriller-type things under the name John Lang. And Hard Case Crime have republished the set, which is eight. And they're kind of crazy and cheesy as anything. Um, but they're fantastic. And uh, there's a book called Shovel Ready by Adam Sternberg, um, which you might have heard of, that's just come out. And it's a kind of uh, – this is, again, it's like noir and kind of hard-boiled. It's, a, it's a, about a hitman in a future version of New York. It's a cross between sort of The Matrix and – and Lawrence Block. It's like if Lawrence Block wrote a science fiction novel, this is what it would come out with. Um, but it's amazing. Um, but yeah, I tend to, a lot of crime at the moment. I guess I'm building up to writing this kind of LA trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the but, Intergalus you mentioned you were reading. Yes, uh, Something More Than Night, which is uh, fantastic. And I read, a, I read a book called um, Save Yourself by Kelly Braffitt. It's like a literary thriller. Again, this is like out, outside of something I'd normally pick up. Um, but it's just amazing, the most beautiful writing. And this is the thing about writing. It's like you need to read like totally outside what you're used to. Um, you never know what you're going to find. It's great. Well, it's interesting. A lot of times when we ask authors what they're reading, they'll say no- nothing. I have no time for outside reading. I'm only doing research. Uh, you're obviously not wasting any time, but you're putting out a, a, a great amount of work. But you still, st- it sounds like to you, reading reading those novels is in- integral to po- to your process. Yeah, no, completely. If I'm reading a book and enjoying what I'm reading, my writing goes well. And sometimes I'll be stuck with the writing, going, "Oh, this is horrible, and I can't, I just can't do it." And what am I? What's going on? I should quit. And I realize it's because what I'm reading, I'm not enjoying. Mm. Uh, but there's always like a lag of a couple of days before I realize that. But Stephen King said that you need to spend 
I mean, he, he's got the luxury of time, but um, six hours a day reading and writing, uh, reading and writing. I don't know whether he means six hours of each or six hours together, but it's it just <laughs> that would be kind of crazy. Six hours of sleeping, six hours of eating, yeah. reading. Yeah, what else do you need? Yeah. Um, but that's the, the whole thing of, yeah, I think reading is really important and I definitely, I make time for it. I make time for it like I make time for writing. So that's um, that's something I've been thinking a lot about recently um, because even though I read as part of my job or whatever sort and laser is, I guess it's a lifestyle job. at this lifestyle. point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I still feel like if I, if I, if I just sit down in the middle of the afternoon and, and try to read for a couple hours, I feel like I'm, this is going to sound terrible and it's going to sound something like I would never say. I don't want to say it sounds like I'm wasting my time, I know but I feel mean. like I could be doing something like I should be writing myself or I There's should be... There's a little be, guilt of like, you're enjoying guilt. this. I'm enjoying this too much. You should be doing something you don't enjoy. <laughs> right. So how do you kind of... I mean, this is a very general question because it, it it's nothing to you specific, Adam, but it, it's like, how, how do you, as, as someone who needs to read as, as, as part of your research and as part of your job and to just kind of better ourselves as people, how do we, how do we justify it? Maybe I just did in asking that question. Um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? It's kind of a weird open-ended question. I mean, I actually agree. It's like you'd be reading and you think, well, I should be doing something productive. Um, but you just kind of, I put myself into a routine where I sit down and I read. I mean, I only read for like half an hour at a time. I do it at lunchtime, um, you know, in the evenings and the morning and stuff. Like first thing when I get up in the morning, I make up tea and then I don't write or anything. I read because uh, writing is kind of beyond me at that time of the morning. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, and it's very, I think I agree. It's very easy to say, well, it's reading. It's like, it's not what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, but it is, and I think it's just it's so important for writers to read, and it's kind of sad when you see writers go, oh, I haven't got time to read, or mm -hmm. I'm you know stuck doing research or whatever. Um, you, you've got to do it, and I mean I love it. I love reading. That's why I write because I love reading. Right. You know? Yeah, it's that meta question of like how when you're enjoying something, how do you let yourself believe that that's okay to both enjoy and relax while doing something and know that it's important and it is productive to what you're doing yeah um carve out time for it and adam christopher says it's okay for you it's to okay. read okay exactly yeah that makes me feel better no, it's, it's true though because i usually read just at night before i go to bed and that is not a good time for me to try to read because i just <laughs> fall asleep um so it's not i tried to i read for a couple hours yesterday and i was like i could have done a lot of work in this amount of time but i as gord gord in the chat room just said recategorize reading in your mind as something productive yeah. and not as a well, as right and like i just said if i'm reading something and i enjoy it my writing improves and it's just the way my brain kind of connects things. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Curtis B has a couple of uh, questions in the chat room. First of which, uh, when, when you obviously kind of know where a series is going, but do you pre-plot all three or do you kind of adapt and change as you complete the previous one, figure out what's going to happen in the next one? Um, I do a bit of both. I kind of do skeleton outlines for one book and then also for the whole series and then I adjust as I go. Um, you know, the book that I'm in at the moment, I've kind of got about two thirds of the way through, it's in three acts. 
And I've actually stopped because I'm going to re-outline the last third because it's kind of going to change. Uh, my original idea is going to change because of what I've written before. And so for books two and three, I kind of know what's, uh, sorry, what I'm writing to, yeah, book three, um, I know what's, what it's going to be about and I know generally what's going to happen. But because I'm this kind of cross between a pantser and an outliner, um, yeah, it kind of I stop, adjust, stop, adjust, stop, adjust. Um, you know, but then that's what edit, you know, editing's for and rewriting. And I don't find that I know what the story is until I've reached the end. Hmm. And then I figure, then I can look back and work out all the bits that are unnecessary. Gotcha. It's fine. It means it means I take too long, and it means I overwrite my first drafts. But that's the way I've kind of figured it out. It's better to overwrite, I would think, than than I underwrite, so. perhaps. Mm-hmm. You know, you can yeah, always, no, if you yeah. overwrite, you can put it in the next book or put it in a short story or find some place for, for some of that content. Yes, you can. Yeah. Yeah. Better to carve away than to have big gaping holes. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you put it that way, yes, <laughs> that is absolutely true. Uh, Curtis has a follow up. Um, uh, do you write by coming up with the characters first, then building a world around them? Um, you kind of answered this a little bit already, or, or do you plot first and then come up with the characters? It's, it's a little more character specific kind of question. Yeah, uh, depends what it is. I mean, for some books, I've I've had a just an idea, uh, like Hangwire was the exploding fortune cookie, uh, which happened to me in San Francisco. Um, so it's entirely a true story. And then <laughs> Hangwire, based on a true story. Now we know. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not joking. Um, and then um, the LA trilogy. I know this is like way ahead in the future, but that was a character that I had. Um, so yeah, it kind of depends. Um, and then I, I find that if I start writing an idea, uh, characters will just appear and they'll start doing their own thing. Like in Hang Wire, um, Joel Duval, who's kind of the bad guy, he was just like a bit part in the beginning. And then I realized as I was writing him that uh, he became more and more involved and started telling his own story. And then now he occupies like a whole chunk of subplot. It was um, his evil plan all along. Yeah, he got into my brain and yeah, messed around. <laughs> insidious. <laughs> uh, speaking of codes and evil plans and insidious things, Guard posted something in our Goodreads uh, thread, which I think I understand. I yeah, totally incomprehensible <laughs> to me. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a lot of numbers and uh, in this in this order, the names Chelsea, Arsenal, Man City, Liverpool, and Tottenham. Uh, then predictions. And how about a bet? Yeah, this is something to do with uh, football or soccer, as you'd call it. Um, yeah, this is a deep question that has clearly got many layers designed to trip me up. I feel. <laughs> um, do, you, do you support a particular <laughs> Premier League team, or? Uh, no. <laughs> 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 um, I know I live in England, but you know, uh, soccer is something that kind of happens to other people. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> That's I I live near Manchester, so I'll say Manchester City. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Dot man, my, you. My, well, I don't know. See, depending what I say, my Twitter. I know, account, right? My, my this Twitter is like asking me about hockey. I'm like, I have no right. idea what anybody's talking about. <laughs> These names are meaningless to me. But you're an All Blacks fan, then, right? Because you're from New Zealand. You know, He's rugby like, is something that happens to other people. <laughs> Fair enough. Adam there you go, guard. Not really a sports guy, so Mm-mm. let's just leave it be. Hey, I'm watching. Said. I'm watching snowboarding at the moment, which is cool. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. 
watching the Olympics. I have been terrible. I've not. I I feel like I've not done my patriotic duty by watching the uh, the Olympics and cheering on the Americans. Um, I just haven't. Yeah, the Olympics is just something that's happening right now. I to guess other in the, to other people <laughs> in the world. <laughs> but this is this is one of the things where you really do think that you should be doing something else when you're watching yeah. it because like that's not work. <laughs> it's on. It's on when I'm in the gym. That's how I, I watch figure right. skating and curling when I'm at the gym. It's just on the television, and so I watch it with no sound. So I don't understand yeah. curling as a sport. <laughs> Well, how much time do we have? Okay, all right. <laughs> well, Adam, thank you so much for joining us. So we've got the new book coming out in uh, in March. I said that, right? Yes, end of March. March right. 25th. So that's The Burning Dark. And uh, yeah, are you mm -hmm. going to be doing any tour in the States? Uh, I don't know yet. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. I'm going to Worldcon, which is in London this year. Uh, normally that would be my US trip. But um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. We are jealous. Go. We should come to Dragon Con sometime in Atlanta. Yeah, I'd love to. It's the same weekend as Worldcon most times. No, this year this it's year. not. Yeah, this year they don't overlap. So hmm. I'm still hopeful I can figure out how to get to London. I know. We'll figure it out. Some one one year we'll we'll get to World Worldcon eventually, or just we'll just go to London. I mean, even if it's not in London, that's <laughs> just go. We'll, we'll just go Veronica. and hang out. Yeah, Veronicon. Yeah. <laughs> Tom and Veronicon. <laughs> I like that. Um, so, Adam, where can people follow your work online? Uh, my website is adamchristopher.ac, and I'm on Twitter as Ghostfinder. Fantastic. Hangouts. That's where you do all the all the twitterings. That is something that I should not be doing quite as often. That is definitely yeah. counterproductive. Although it is good promotion for your stuff. Uh, yes, but you can get sucked into a never-ending um, social media black hole, <laughs> which I'm guilty of. I think we all are. And if you want to follow us, we are over at swordandlaser.com, uh, at swordandlaser over on Twitter. All of our discussions happen on Goodreads. And if you want to call and leave us a voicemail, the phone number is 415-7SWORD6. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks, Adam. Thank you very much. Bye, buddy. Audio program so good, it's like you're there!